Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of currently streaming horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews may include mild spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. This week, Berto and I learn that death isn't the end as we continue our Alien series review with a discussion on the fourth installment, Alien Resurrection, which is currently streaming on HBO Go and HBO Max. Berto, welcome back. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, no problem. I'm uh, enjoying reviewing this series with you because as somebody that is such a fan of the first two, I've seen those the most, mm-hmm. but three and four are the two that I think I had seen once and then for whatever reason, just never saw them again. So yeah. getting to kind of re-experience them and then seeing your first reaction to them uh, has been a ton of fun. So I'm happy to have you back. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it was the first time watching this, the fourth one and the third one for me. Well, I've seen mm-hmm. the third one a while back with certain scenes, but I haven't seen them fully. But yeah, it's been back fun. in the day. Yeah, that was way back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for those that don't know, Alien Resurrection is directed by Jean-Pierre Jeannot, who's the director of The Lost City of Children. And it's written by Josh Whedon, who's actually the director of the first two Avengers movies. Uh, so released in 1997, Alien Resurrection picks up 200 years after Alien 3. Uh, Ripley, thought to be dead, has been resurrected through genetic cloning and imprinted on and imprisoned on a military science vessel. Uh, we learn that her DNA was fused with the queen alien, resulting in a new hybrid alien. But also, the new Ripley has superhuman powers. Uh, naturally, the aliens that are on board the ship break containment, and it's up to Ripley and a ragtag crew of morally dubious mercenaries to make it out alive. Uh, so we, I believe you as you watched it as well, the special edition. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the special edition is not a director's cut like I thought it was. Uh, there's an intro by the director in the version I watched, and he says that he was proud of the theatrical cut, and so it wasn't really them instilling new in, new scenes and whatnot because he thought that they had cut too much, kind of like in mm. David Fincher's case. Yeah, uh, they used a lot of footage that they had cut. Um, the special edition has a couple extended bits of dialogue that in the end, I don't think are nearly as drastic of a change as a lot of the scenes were in alien three. Um, but most notably is that the opening and the outro to the film are completely new. Okay. Uh, so the film opens up with that sequence where you see like a close up of, it looks like a xenomorph mouth, but then it pans out and it's like a bug. Yeah. 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 And a guy in like a control tower squishes it. Like yeah. that whole segment was reshot uh, for CGI and whatnot because they originally just didn't have the budget for it. Mm. And then the outro, which we'll get to later, was also new. Originally, I believe the film ended with them just kind of like flying off into the clouds. Yeah. And oh, you're okay. left to assume that they landed on Earth. Okay. Yeah. But in this, we actually kind of like go down to ground level and yeah. we see they land in Paris and it's basically a post-apocalyptic world. Right. Uh, to a certain extent. But I guess first first things first, what did you think about them bringing our girl Ripley back for a fourth film? Uh, yeah, it was... Uh, I mean, they kind of needed to bring her back because I feel like she's such a key component of the movie and the whole series, but it was kind of weird. I, I wasn't I wasn't a fan of the cloning thing and her the, the story itself was just very bizarre. Like, she had, like, weird long nails and, like, Mm-hmm. I was like, huh. I don't know. I just wasn't a fan of it. I was a fan of the uh, the set, though. It was really great. I love the fact they brought it back to the ship, like the original yeah. one, which was mm-hmm. awesome. Everything was dark and very wet and humid and just <laughs> weird, alien-like. But yeah, other than that, I mean, I thought it was 
uh, I wish you could, they could have done a little different. I wasn't a fan of the cloning thing. Yeah, so originally Whedon had penned a script that Newt was supposed to be the protagonist, the little mm-hmm. girl, so they from uh, Aliens, mm-hmm. and they were to clone her instead. But then 20th Century Fox apparently was like, yeah, we're not going to green light a sequel that does not have Sigourney Weaver in right. it. Right. They basically assumed that she, fans just wouldn't show up. And I mean, it's a fair assumption to make, granted, that she was in the last three movies. Right. She's synonymous with Alien at this mm-hmm. point. You know what I mean? Uh, she's been the one recurring kind of uh, character. Yeah. So in that regards, I understand why they want to bring Ripley back. But like you, I think my biggest problem is the script. Yeah. And it's not so much with the direction. Like I think Jean-Pierre does a really great job of, like you said, building up the atmosphere mm-hmm. of the movie and like the set design and the attention to like all the practical effects and whatnot is really well done. But I think Whedon's script is my biggest issue with it. Um, so I would say that right from right off the bat, this film feels like a combination of all of the films before it. Right, yeah. Like it feels like it has a little bit of horror in there. It has a lot of action in there. Yeah. And then it has this kind of weird amalgamation of like humor in there mm-hmm. that I think is, well, I want to hear what you think about it. What do you think about the kind of tonal shift from the other films? Yeah. Or do you agree? Do you agree that this film feels different than all the other ones? Yeah, definitely. I, I think it definitely feels different. It's, I didn't like the, yeah, like you said, the script, I wasn't a fan of the script. The story itself was like, I just wasn't a fan of it. Like the whole cloning thing, but I did enjoy watching it. Like ju- I think just the fact that it takes plays back in the ship and it's 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 got this alien feel to it that they're stuck and they and if it has a lot of mix of the uh third one is it the second the second one with uh bill paxton also a lot of those character scenes that like transform over to this one like just the macho man like kind of guy who uh ron uh, perlman plays Mm -hmm. um i feel like there's a combination of the the second one with that military group trained and a mix of the original one kind of at least that's what i got the vibe from but yeah like again just the, i think the cloning just really like kind of messed me messed me up in story wise i guess but overall i thought it was pretty enjoyable it was pretty good i i liked how dark it was and there was a little plot twist that i was not expecting in there too yeah with, uh one of the main characters i guess yeah uh winona Ryder's character yeah call yeah, yeah yeah i was not honestly i was not expecting it yeah, I so I'd seen this movie when I was a kid, um, and I have I literally probably have not seen this movie in like a decade plus. Um, and the one thing that I remembered, the only thing I remembered actually was how kind of like weird the characters are, mm. and like especially Ripley herself. And that's yeah. again something that I'm not a fan of still with this movie is yeah. that Ripley is just very weird, and there's like this whole creepy. Uh, relationship with the aliens that we get into later Mm -hmm. um in the terms of like where the plot goes but overall just like i'm not a fan of the way that they brought her character back yeah narratively it makes sense and i think as a whole like it does make sense the kind of the connection that they're making and it serves the story they're telling Mm -hmm. but in terms of just her character she really does not do a lot for me and like the weird mommy issues stuff with the different aliens and like the hybrid is just super uncomfortable in a way that the rest of the movie is not yeah so for me it's just it's hard to care much for her character yeah so i guess 
it is good then that we have that plot twist later with mm-hmm. Winona Ryder. Yeah. In that she really is one of the only likable characters. Right. Yeah. In a lot of ways, like all the other characters, like you said, are kind of just super aggro mm-hmm. and over the top. Yeah. Um, especially Ron Perlman, who, again, like they all have their moments, but like Ron Perlman is fucking hilarious yeah. in this. And then obviously you have like Raymond Cruz shows up later, who's Tuco. Yeah. Uh, and just, yeah, it's a uh, it's an interesting band of mercs. And I don't think that there are any real highlights amongst them mm-hmm. other than uh, Winona Ryder, to be honest. Yeah, I feel, I feel like Ripley's character kind of, I know she's cloned, but it, it kind of lost that feeling of human, I guess, because she is cloned. Mm-hmm. It just, for me, it kind of like separates, like it just, it's not the same, obviously. Um, I don't know, I guess in a way it's a good, it's good that the way they, sh- they made her weird because it's not the same Ripley, it's cloned of her. But right. at the same time, it just kind of lost that sense of like human within her and like kind of like what we've been following this last three movies. Mm-hmm. It kind of lost yeah, that touch. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, and in losing the humanity of the movie, mm. it really does lose something and it kind of just transforms it into a di- almost a completely different category of film. Like, yeah. I feel like this one is like the superhero equivalent of all of the other alien movies in that yeah. like, okay, so we're going to jump the shark and we're going to bring people back from the dead that now they have superpowers and mm. it, it does lose its horror element yeah. in a lot of ways, even if there are moments of horror in there. Yeah. Overall though, like if she's going to be able to punch through metal and bend steel and yeah. bleed blood, bleed acid blood and all these different things, like it's not really scary anymore. Mm. And again, it does have the lot of, it does have some great uh, horror moments in it. Like we're going to get to some of the things that I think this movie does actually a lot better than I remember doing in a little bit. But I mean, overall there's no real suspense for me mm-hmm. in the movie after that. And yeah. she is rep- her the human Ripley is replaced with a whole squad now of humans that we're not really invested in. Right. Yeah. We're never really given a reason to become invested in them. Cause for the most part, like they're just aggro over the top and they're defined by their level of aggression. And the one captain of the Mercs who just, he's got that gravelly smoker's voice yeah. and everything. And it's just like, that's his defining trait and all this kind of nothing. There's not a lot of humanity to these characters. Yeah. They feel like caricatures almost like yeah. I kept comparing these, this group of characters to the people on the Nostromo mm. from the original yeah. film. And it's like their occupations withstanding like at least the people on the Nostromo felt like real people. Yeah. Whereas these people felt very much like action stars. Yeah. No, I, I think that, um, they, I feel like had they had the cast from the original aliens in this movie, I felt like the connection with that, with that group, it was more close and you can kind of feel the bond between them. These guys were kind of like, they're just, meatheads and military guys that just want to kill yeah. things and like they don't even know what they're doing and like I just I wish they had more I wish we, like I feel like the original group of the movie in the 70s was more like I felt more connected to them than the than yeah. this group and so it was had let's say had they brought that almost similar connection that cast to this movie Ripley it wouldn't have made I wouldn't have been annoyed by the fact that Ripley was a clone because you have this connection with this group. But mm. since the way they just, they, the group was also, they were just like all over the place kind of, it felt like. And yeah. for me, like, I'm kind of annoyed that the captain died. He was the first one to die, which was, I was surprised. Right. I was like. In a like, moronic way. Yeah. It was like, it like, seems like he should have lasted a little longer. At least someone, some of the other guys should have died first. Like, 
but I don't know. About- yeah, I mean, that's that's another. Well, before we get to that, to that, in my mind, moronic death, <laughs> yeah. um, you're right in that the characters themselves, they don't even, it doesn't even seem like they like each other. Yeah. Which I get that they're mercenaries, but again, if those characters don't even like each other and they don't give the audience a reason to like them, then we're not going to give a shit about them. Right. So when they start getting killed off, it's like, okay, it's bas- they're basically just like meat for the grinder at that mm-hmm. point. Getting in between of Ripley or um, Winona Ryder. And yeah. I mean, that's essentially what they are to some extent. And that's kind of where the lack of bond, I think, that you were talking about is missing. And without that bond. And so when we have a crew we can't bond with and we have a new version of Ripley we can't bond with. Yeah. One particular scene uh, withstanding, like there's nobody to really root for or to care about right. much. Yeah. So the engagement kind of weans, but going to that character's death, there's so many little moments in this that I think it just shows all the shortcomings of weed and script and that like they're trying to escape the ship at one point and the guy's got two guns already. And he's (laughs) like, Oh, there's a third gun. I need a third gun. (laughs) And he wanders off all the way away from the group just to find one extra gun. Right. And it's like, where's the motivation for that? I thought he's supposed to be like this hardened Merc leader. And he's like, I'm going to go investigate for another gun. And it's just like little moments like that. They just don't feel very organic. They just feel like they're servicing a death. Yeah. And the setup for that is so ridiculous that you're like, yeah, obviously they're about to kill him. Like no good comes from wandering down a dark hallway by yourself for a reason that you don't actually have. You don't need a weapon. You've already got weapons. Right. Yeah. I just felt very like... Especially with that that scene with the captain, he was kind of like, just they threw him out there just to get killed. Like they gotta right. they gotta get some action in there, and that's like a lot of what it felt like to me. And and like <clears throat> some of the guys that just they yeah, like you said, there's no meaning to them. So it's like it was really hard. It was for me. It was just like I was just watching a movie. There was no connection between me and the characters. Like I just didn't feel connected. Like I felt like the original, the first one with that crew. It just seemed they were so tight. It seems like they were like they knew each other. These guys they flew together, but they were there was a disconnection. Like they didn't like each other. A lot of like, I felt like there was a lot of tension, like with um, Ron Perlman's um, actor. And like a lot of the other guys are just like, they were there. Like, like his, a lot of characters were like, Oh, I just want to sleep with her and like do this. And it's just like, it's just like weird connection. Like I would feel very uncomfortable being in a group like that. Right. And while the Nostromo crew, I don't know if you would necessarily call them friends, yeah. They were work friends. You know what I mean? Like they would bicker and they would tease one another. And while there's definitely like disparaging uh, feelings in terms of like when they're arguing about the pay between Parker and Dallas and they're arguing in the first movie, like I should get paid with this and that and whatnot. Mm-hmm. At least it feels like they have a relationship of some sort. Yeah. It doesn't feel like they're just people that are thrown together. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with presenting a group of people that are not friends with one another, but if that's the case and the relationships are frayed, mm-hmm. the individuals themselves, if the conflict isn't interesting, the individuals themselves have to be interesting to some extent, right? right? Yeah. Like I have to care about these people individually, if not as a group or a collective and in not doing either of those things, again, it's like they're just fuel for the inevitable Xenomorph fire that uh, spreads all amongst the ship. Yeah, definitely. But in, and just one last thing before we get into some stuff that I actually <laughs> think this film does pretty well that uh, it capitalized on better than the previous film. Yeah. Uh, Whedon apparently was upset that 
the film was played straight in that there's like a lot of horror elements and things to it. And it wasn't very, it wasn't constructed like very tongue in cheek humorous, mm. but I thought this movie had way too much humor in it. So yeah. the idea that the film's humor would be compartmentalized in something that was overall a humorous film, like almost a comedy mm. or action sci-fi comedy is just very strange to me. Like, why do you think that that would work? Yeah. That was, I mean, did the humor do anything for you? Uh, no, I thought it kind of like, I feel like the tension was building up and then humor kind of just drops that. And it, it was like yeah. a like back and forth buildup of tension. Like, things are about to get weird and then you have someone say some stupid shit and then it's like, all right, well then back to level one. It, it, it didn't really help. I felt like had they gone less humor, a little more horror, it would have been more intense. I would have been more focused into the movie, but there's just a lot of back and forth of like trying to be funny and it wasn't really funny. It didn't really, the jokes didn't really hit me and I was like, all right, cool. Like I could see why someone would say that. And like, it was just like, I don't know. I just wasn't connecting with them. I think that's, that was my issue that I wasn't really connecting with them. So it's like, hmm. Wasn't crazy yeah, about and the in, humor. This, in the special edition, there's a few more instances of humor. And one that sticks out to me is when um, Winona Ryder and uh, Vries, the guy in the the mechanic yeah, yeah. who's in the wheelchair, like he tells this elaborate setup for a joke that's like, yeah. what has one eye, oh, yeah. two thumbs pointing up? Like, and a and tongue out. Gets, yeah, yeah a tongue out yeah. and likes to fuck or something. And he just points to himself. Like, yeah. That's an example of a joke that's not in the theatrical version that is just like crickets, basically, right. when, that, when that line is said. It's just, just like, like a creepy joke. That's a creepy joke. Yeah, there's a lot of creepiness in yeah. the movie that doesn't that extends past just Ripley's relationship with the aliens. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of creepy humor in it that, again, it kind of just falls flat, yeah. which makes it even creepier. Yeah. Like, I like that there's some absurdity in the movie. Mm. Like, there's one thing where there's a lot of humor that I don't think works, but then there's a level of absurdity that complements the action yeah. in some ways that as an action movie can be fun. Like mm -hmm. later in the film, there's that scene where they're climbing up the ladder yeah. and it gets to the point where like Ron Perlman yeah. leans back and yeah. starts shooting while he's hanging upside yeah. down. And then he sees the spider and he like shoots the spider that scared him. And it's like, that's heightened absurdity, yeah. but it kind of works in terms of just like over the top action. Right. And you have that brief little moment that doesn't kind of like, kill all the momentum in the scene. Mm -hmm. But then you have a joke like the one I just described and it's like the camera just lingers there for an extra minute and it's just like, yeah. Okay, man, that's, that's great. <laughs> yeah. That, that was very funny. It was, it was just like, I feel like Whedon has a very, like, I don't know, the humor of a 15 year old. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, you're like a 30 year old man writing that script at the time or something. And yeah. it's just like, Okay, man, that's great. Yeah, I really was, found that funny in like middle school, I guess. But yeah, there's a lot of creepiness with the with the characters within each other. It was just like, oh, why would you yeah. want to be there? I don't know. I just wasn't. I didn't enjoy there's those a lot parts. Of, yeah. There's a lot of kind of like little off-putting moments throughout yeah. the movie that I'm just like, okay, like for, and I think getting into the things that we actually enjoy about the movie, mm. his script does a disservice to how good this movie looks. Yeah, in terms of just the portrayal of the world and. Yeah. I think it's really not fair to Jean-Pierre, who's the director, that yeah. he went to all this trouble to ensure that like the claustrophobic look of the sets mm. were similar to the original. We have a good amount of expanding on the story from Aliens, where this takes place 200 years in the future, and they say like Waylon Yutani's not even a company anymore. But in reality, there's just another company that's replaced them right. that is trying to weaponize the xenomorphs. 
And like that lore is pretty interesting in seeing the extent that they're going, that they're doing human testing to breed aliens. They have a science facility where they're like cloning people and trying to get different breeds of aliens going. That was, that was a gross scene by the way. Yeah. Yeah. That's a weird. Yeah. And, and I mean, do you want to speak to that scene? Like that was, Uh, that was, that was a pretty great scene. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely great. It was just kind of nasty how they were testing on them, like different breeds of like human xenomorph mix. And then they found that body of, basically Ripley's clone whose arm is like stuck, like literally glued yeah. to their, to their shoulder. And she's mm-hmm. like, just kill me. I was like, yeah, I felt that. I was like, damn, I would have, I would have yeah. asked the same thing. Like, right. It was just like, yeah. Creepy. And I think that scene, that is a really good example yeah. of a scene that is the only moment in the film other than one other brief scene that has like some heart to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that captures that yeah. character drivenness of the original films. And it feels so out of place because it's such a somber moment where she's wandering through the lab and she's has the tattoo eight on her wrist. So we right. learn that she's the eighth iteration of the clones. And we see that one through seven or one through six all died and they look like aliens. Right. And then we get to seven who, for whatever reason, is being kept alive and is like the most mutated. Right. And then obviously, like you said, begs Ripley to kill her. Yeah. And it's a very poignant moment, too, because it just kind of is traumatizing her all over again, basically, and showing that no no matter whether it's aliens traumatizing her in films one through three, or now it's humans traumatizing her, Mm. that not only can Ripley not catch a break, but it's just her perpetual cycle of dealing with these unforeseen uh, circumstances and whatnot, and her character being in this perpetual state of torment. And I mean, that's a really disturbing moment, like Mm -hmm. you said. I mean, watching basically yourself beg for you to kill it right like i don't think it gets more disturbing than that i think that was probably one of the few scenes and maybe the only scene that i connected like i felt like with ripley i like i felt that i was like shit like she realized like she was cloned and now she's cloned and like she's not human anymore she clearly knows that because there's a connection with the alien that she feels inside her but at the same time it's like damn like that's heartbreaking like you've seen different versions of yourself and there's like a baby version that's in a jar with a big brain and then there's like Mm -hmm. there's an alien face one it was like it was very bizarre and like i was like that was like that was probably one of the more meaningful scene i thought in the movie Mm -hmm. but then you have at the like right at the end where you have ron perlman just coming in and like saying oh you wasted all that ammo i was like oh that i mean that was kind of funny but then he goes woman i was like well to me i don't know to me it was just like we during the movie up to that point we didn't see any woman just like you waste up all these animals so i could i didn't right. catch to that point but it was kind of it was kind of funny that he, that he like kind of rolled up at the end he was like well you wasted all the ammo up to that point i was like oh, i was pretty funny but then he's like women or something like that and i was like what is, yeah. I, I didn't catch that ending part we, i was like we didn't has just like a weird tendency not to know when to stop yeah. like he's he keeps going after the punchline almost yeah. and in extending a punchline. It's just like, dude, you just made the joke and you just stepped all over it with <laughs> yeah. an extra couple of words unnecessary, or just lingering yeah. on it. Yeah. Just unnecessary. And ultimately like that undercuts that scene for me. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of, that scene really speaks to the imbalances of the script right. versus the uh, tone of the overall movie that for the most part, Jean-Pierre is responsible for in that like we have this somber moment and then, there's just an inappropriate use of, not inappropriate in the sense of the subject, but just yeah. the inappropriateness of inserting a joke into the most emotionally fraught moments right. in the entire film. And that's like, what, 
an hour, an hour and 20 minutes into the film or something like that. And it's like, right. Yeah. Dude, it took you this long to get here and you're really going to kind of like fuck <laughs> up the dismount on this one positive narrative moment you have. Right. Uh, but I mean, going back to Jean-Pierre, um, again, just the atmosphere is so similar mm-hmm. to the Nostromo in a lot of different yeah. ways where we have these kind of this dark corridors and whatnot, the way yeah. they're lit, the set design as a whole. Yeah. And also, like you said, kind of just the grimy aesthetic of yeah. what we've come to expect of the alien universe, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I love about that aesthetic is kind of like these are multi-billion dollar spaceships and yeah. space stations and whatnot. And yet they all have this like interior that kind of looks like a Siberian gulag <laughs> yeah. where it's just like sharp, rusty metal all throughout. They couldn't like make anything nice like the Starship Enterprise yeah. or whatever. You know what I mean? Like nothing is polished. It could have gotten better lighting or something. Like <laughs> Right, exactly. Like they spent billions on a spaceship, but then they're going to half-ass like, the interior. <laughs> half-ass light bulbs and stuff. Yeah. But um, it's an aesthetic that I love. Mm-hmm. And I think that this film does better than, not better, but I think it's different than Alien 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a way that it's just different enough, but it's has the same kind of, not po- I guess you would say the most polished, grimy alien aesthetic that they could have. Yeah, it, I think it definitely. It, I like. I personally like the fact that it, they brought it back to the ship, and it's. It looks. It, it, it has that feeling of the original one. That really. Mm-hmm. That really. I think they they did a great job at that, and just getting that grimy feeling, like you were saying, of of being in a in a ship, and you're kind of stuck. And I think. Although, like you were joking around that they, they didn't have enough budget to like get nice lighting. I think that definitely helps with everything. Like the intensity yeah. of like the xenomorphs, you can't really see them, but the xenomorphs are dark so they can hide in shadows and they blend really well. So I think it really helps with the, at least the intense moments. It, it, it definitely helps that. Yeah. I mean, that's a great segue. Let's jump right into it. Mm-hmm. Somehow the xenomorphs look the best that they've ever yeah. looked. And that's not something I expected to hold up as well, considering mm-hmm. that was our, I think, that was our main complaint yeah. of Alien 3 is that that kind of blue screen fast motion mm-hmm. uh, technique that they were using yeah. to make the xenomorphs look really fast or to make these xenomorphs look really fast in Alien 3. Yeah. Like I assumed that there was going to be more of that in Resurrection and I was so happy to see that that's not the case. Yeah. Like given that this movie was released five years later you and there were a lot of advancements in CGI in that time period, I assumed that there was going to be an over-reliance on CGI. And I was happy to find out that a majority of the film is practical. And even the instances of CGI, I thought were really, really well done. Yeah. Like, especially the underwater scene. Yeah. Like when it has them swimming around and they're dodging grenade, mm-hmm. uh, grenade launcher rounds and whatnot. Like that's all CGI yeah. for the part where they're maneuvering like that. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was phenomenal. Yeah. To the point that you couldn't even tell that it was CGI almost, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I think... I think the CG, the fact that there was a huge upgrade in the CGI in general, um, I think that definitely helped. I really like the scene where um, they they have them um, they have the uh, xenomorphs in the labs, like in yes. each cage, and then you mm-hmm. have that creepy doctor. Um, oh, yeah. he's <laughs> yeah. just very weird. Uh, Played by uh, Brad Dorf. Yeah, who he does the voice. You know those slasher movies, the Chucky movies. Oh, he does the voice for that. He does the voice for Chucky. Oh, wow. 
that's creepy yeah yeah, yeah. gritman i think his name was he's the he's a doctor he has like this weird connection with him i guess i don't know or he wants mm-hmm. to feel connected though but that was a weird scene but i really like the fact that the way the aliens were shown off in that i really enjoy that I, I think one of the fewer scenes where we get to see them fully like their face and like you kind of see how smart they are they're evolving yeah. as they go um it was really it was really cool to see and then the fact that they had three of them in one room right before the whole a breakout happened. Um, mm-hmm. It was kind of cool. I really enjoyed that. I think they did a great job. Chat kind of like, I felt like it kind of holds up to the original one with those teeth and like just in general, I think everything, it looked really great. Yeah. And that's a great scene. The jailbreak yeah. scene when there's three of them in that cage and basically Brad Dorff's character is teaching it basically yeah. like if you fuck with me i'll freeze you with the fire extinguisher safety or yeah. whatever uh, that he sprang them with and again when he goes for it the second time the xenomorph stops what it's doing because mm-hmm. it knows it's about to get sprayed right and it does a good job of introducing this idea that while we're dealing with also with like a hybrid alien later in the movie the base xenomorphs are like capable of becoming smart and yeah. learning and it almost it feeds into that idea that Waylon Yutani might have been onto something in a certain extent. Like yeah. they can learn, they can be trained to a certain extent. So I think that that scene is pivotal, not only because we get a great kill scene out of it, yeah. but also it kind of gives legitimacy to this idea that Waylon Yutani, which has evolved into what other, whatever company they are now has, hasn't been like on this pipe dream. Right. And this idea that like, that makes it more terrifying, the potential that they could control them and they could use them against whoever they want. They right. could use them against civilians. They could use them against foreign armies and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but I do love that scene in that the Xenomorphs have that stra- that strategic moment where they're like, well, we're about to sacrifice one person yeah. for the greater good. And they go after that one just to have his guts melt through the hole of right. the ship and whatnot so they can escape. That's a cool moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's it, definitely It awesome. reinforces that they are like the deadliest predators in the galaxy to a certain extent. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the kind of puppeteering and the animatronics in the movie. Cause again, most of the movie was practical yeah. and I thought it was done in a way that was the strongest it's been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think it definitely held up. Um, it was, it didn't feel like, so I think the third one, it was kind of weird CGI. And I think the mixture of practical and CGI on this one was pretty great uh, overall. Yeah. Like even like, just like the aliens, they just look sharper. I don't know. To me, it seemed like they were sharper. And it was kind of cool that we got to see more of their characteristics in the sense that they were able to adapt. And like we were talking about just a second ago, like they're able to learn. And it's like, they're not just like aliens that are hunting. Now they're learning you. They're learning how, I guess, for them to be their predators as humans, like how they work. And it's like, they're, mm-hmm. they're slowly elevating their their knowledge and i think it, overall though they um <clears throat> they did a great job with the practical um definitely one of the cleaner cleaner ones i would say from the series yeah the only kind of moment that i thought stood out in terms of the cgi was when they're doing the escape pods mm. and one of the xenomorphs like climbs up the side of an escape pod and slinks down into it yeah like, that was the only moment where i was like that's notable cg like yeah, i could tell oh, yeah, yeah. cgi yeah. and it kind of like looks a little off mm-hmm. but i mean 80% of the rest of the movie, I think right. the mix of practical and CGI is actually really well done. And a funny little anecdote I found was that uh, when the special effects team who continued over from Aliens and Alien 3 met with Jean-Pierre, Jean-Pierre was like, yeah, in uh, Alien 3, the egg kind of just looked like the one from the previous film. I didn't mm-hmm. think that it looked that realistic. 
And the original eggs had four point movement. So it would be on each of the flaps that open up. Yeah. So there's only four points of movement on it. Mm -hmm. And so the special effects team took that as like a challenge basically. And they included 25 points of movement Holy shit. in the eggs in this one. So I went back and I rewatched that scene when the human test subjects are being yeah. impregnated by the face huggers. Mm -hmm. And you can see it's not only just the flaps that are moving, but the inside of the egg yeah, that was is like, it, it looks like something yeah. slithering around in there. Yeah, it's yeah. disgusting. And it, there's a level of detail there mm -hmm. that really makes you think almost like there's no way that that can't be CGI in yeah. terms of just all the points of movement. But then it shows, again, the dedication that if you put in the hard work for an emphasis on puppeteering, animatronics that lead into practical effects, mm -hmm. like 20 years later, almost, yeah. the movie still looks phenomenal. Or when did it come out? 97? So like, yeah. yeah, 97. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it holds up in a way that, I mean, there aren't many examples of CGI from the late 90s that holds up that well, right. or even the early 2000s for that matter, but... Um, this film in general, just again, I'm blown away at how well a lot of the effects hold up considering yeah. what was in the previous film. Yeah. And it's only a five year difference. And I mean, I know technology has a lot of advances in a short period of time, mm -hmm. but granted again, like w what we see going from 97 to like, I don't know, 2004, 2005, like there's a lot of examples of CGI. That's just like, yeah, <laughs> this is not aged as well as our, I remember this being a lot cooler when I was a kid, Yeah, but uh, getting into like some of our favorite action scenes. Cause mm -hmm. I think this movie is definitely more of an action movie Yeah, in a way that even part two, even aliens was not mm -hmm. in that aliens kind of felt like it was your traditional military movie, yeah. but with an alien setting. And in this, like I had talked about earlier, this kind of has a heightened level of almost absurdity to it, yeah. taking it to the to like the high octane levels of something that is like beyond <laughs> reality. But yeah. I thought it was still executed on in a pretty decent way. Yeah, it was it was pretty good overall. I I actually enjoyed the action scenes were pretty cool. They had some kind of cheesy ones or like yeah. um, Sigourney Weaver and Ripley just like kind of comes from under the, the dead body and he shoots the head out of it like mm -hmm. the alien it's like oh what the hell like that's kind of cheesy but yeah. no but like going back to the scene you were just explaining with the alien eggs i thought that was a crazy scene that was really well done that was one mm -hmm. of my favorite scenes i'd say it's it's messed up to the fact that they had people literally just yeah. sitting there they couldn't defend themselves and they just had them basically lay eggs inside them but i think the whole scene with the egg it just looked very very alien like and i really like that um that was definitely one of my favorite scenes but back to the action, um, I would say I really liked the uh, the scene with the uh, wheelchair guy where he's kind of yeah. like basically going through this building and kind of like raiding it, basically. He's kind of picking <laughs> yeah. up stuff and then he like runs into the xenomorph and he ends up shooting it and then it starts bleeding on him. And I, thought, yeah. I thought that was a crazy, like, because I feel like that was the first time we see like the alien blood getting in humans and we get to see how it's like burning him. Like literally it's dripping mm -hmm. on his ear and his leg. Although he can't feel his leg, it's like burning through his leg. That was, I, well, I've enjoyed that I, scene. That's a cool scene. I love the way that that scene is shot too, where he's slowly picking the pieces yeah. of the gun off of his wheelchair and assembling the shotgun. And I love that scene too, because like, especially Ron Perlman's character yeah. was something that is just like bullying the guy the whole time. Mm -hmm. Like he throws a knife into his leg. <laughs> yeah, He's like, up. it's not a big deal. He can't feel like yeah. shit like that. But then we come to find out like he's probably the most skilled one out of anybody. Yeah. He's the only one that can be, he can fly the ship. Yeah. He's also the only one that's able to sneak um, 
Well, that's not true. But he has a he's able to sneak a weapon on there, and it yeah. kind of like goes against what characters are led to assume about him mm-hmm. that he's like a bunch of characters refer to him as dead weight, yeah. and then it comes out that he's the most important character probably right. out of all of them. He's the most skilled um, one out of all of them for yeah, sure. Yeah, he's the most skilled one. Yeah. And I mean, without him, yeah, the rest of them are not getting out of there. Yeah, so this idea that they use his, initially they have characters that use his kind of disability as uh, a weakness. A, to, yeah, yeah. as like a weakness in actuality, like yeah. y'all better watch what you say. Otherwise <laughs> you're not going to get on that ship with him yeah. at the end. Uh, but I really liked two scenes that I really liked in terms of the action were first and foremost the underwater scene, mm, yeah, that was... which I think holds up really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. It, I, I mean, that's more of a personal thing for me. I hate the idea of like potentially drowning. So yeah, them that's... holding their breath for this ludicrous amount of time yeah. while they swim through this flooded <laughs> kitchen is like giving me anxiety yeah. while I watch it. <laughs> and then they apply the Jaws, essentially like a Jaws element to it, where these xenomorphs are swimming through the water, chasing them like. That's just terrifying it's to me. Panic, in so many anxiety, again, yeah. anxiety, panic, anxiety. <laughs> um, and I lo- again, like it's a great example of the CGI that they use, mm-hmm. and it's not. It doesn't stand out really in terms of like, oh, I can see that looks fake or this and that. It. I forgot that it wasn't a guy in a suit for that scene. Yeah. And there's another instance where they do actually have an actor in a suit, in the practical effect costume and whatnot. But for the most part, any of the action that happens underwater is CGI. Mm-hmm. Um, and some interesting things that I, that I didn't know. Uh, apparently, Winona Ryder had never been in the water since this scene oh. because she almost drowned when she was 12, I guess. Oh, shit. And so she decided and she signed on to the movie without reading the script, too. Jeez. That was another thing. <laughs> um, and so I guess like the first day she had an anxiety attack on set about it. Oh, boy. But then was still able to like, power through and film the scene which i thought was awesome yeah uh and and then the actor that they have tom woodruff who's does the all the alien practical work he's in the suit they gave him this big ass alien suit he can't see through it and for whatever reason they didn't give him an oxygen tube through the suit like it's a big fucking suit you could have fed a tube through (laughs) so it got to the point where he would do his takes and he was holding his breath underwater and then once they yelled cut, they would have to have scuba divers swim up to him and try to fit the oxygen tank in his mouth through Jesus. that costume to the point that he like blacked out and passed out at one point. Wow. And it was just like super over the top yeah. considering a majority of that scene is CGI with the xenomorphs. It's not even him for most of the scene. It's just the one scene he passes out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, but yeah, I just love that scene. And that's a scene that, I assumed it would not hold up nearly as well as it did just yeah. because, I don't know, memory doesn't always serve you the best when mm-hmm. it's a movie you enjoyed from being a kid. Um, yeah. So I was pleasantly surprised to see that that uh, held up as well as it did. But also the latter scene. Yeah. What did you think of that? I was, I was a little cheesy, I thought, with the Ron yeah. Perlman thing. I was like, ah, Definitely. you need a little weird action in there. And first of all, it's, I feel like it's impossible to shoot a gun hanging upside down and you're, you're literally your co-workers right there your partner whatever is literally right there and he's hanging and right. i don't know it was kind of cheesy but it was yeah it was all right it was che- it was cheesy but it's one of those moments that i feel like only he could pull off yeah you know what i mean because like like to what whedon said like all the other characters play it so straight yeah but his character is clearly the uh, comedic relief yeah so for anybody else to do it then ron perlman and he actually did that stunt himself oh, which wow. seems very ill-advised yeah uh, 
And they said the next morning after he did that, he woke up and he just like cut the shit out of the back of his legs oh, I can from hanging off of that ladder. But uh, <laughs> I mean, if anybody else was to do that, it would have just been like an eye roll moment. But I feel like yeah. he's so aggro over the top from the very beginning <laughs> of the movie yeah. that anybody else doing that just would not make sense. Right. Yeah. I feel like his character would have done like, yeah, like, like you said, I think it fits in his character and just to do weird shit like that. Cause I feel like he's such a meathead military guy. Kind of, he's like, he loves action. And like, that's at least that's the vibe I got. He loves action. He's just like a macho man that he would go out of his way to save his friend to like do some weird shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the last moment that I really liked was, the chestburster kill at the end. Oh yeah. When, um, that was actually pretty so, good. One. Yeah. So the actor that does that is the like mousy guy that they mm-hmm. find. That was one of the test subjects who, for whatever reason, the xenomorph popped out everybody else, but him. Yeah. Or the chestburster rather. So overlooking that, like right. he's basically the ticking time bomb that the group has that is running around with the xenomorph mm-hmm. in his chest. Um, and the way that he kills the last military guy is so brutal and yeah. over the top where, he grabs the guy's head and uh, presses it against his <laughs> yeah. chest for the xenomorph to come out. It just and then it sprouts him. through as the guy's forehead. Like, I love that. Yeah. That was such a, that was a very like horror comedy as yeah. kill basically. Cause it's just so ridiculous and over the top, but and then pretty they, creative and then they in terms just light of like, him up. <laughs> yeah. And then they light him up, of course. Yeah. Uh, that actor I've, so his name's Leyland Orzer. Mm-hmm. Um, and any movie I've seen him in, he always gets it the roughest. Like, yeah. <laughs> he was he was in Seven. Do you remember him in that? Oh, is he, he the guy plays... that gets starved to death? No. No, he's not. He's the guy that when they go to the sex club at the end. Oh, and yeah. And there's like a guy there wearing he's that for, crazy yeah. leather suit with the knife on it. Yeah. And he's just like oh. telling the detectives all this. Like he had to like fuck somebody to death with it. Yeah. And it's just so aggressive. And it's every time I see that guy's face, yeah, it's the first thing I think of. That's where, like, that's where I saw. I was like, the guy looks so familiar. And that's where yeah. I yeah, he gets a pretty. He was bad. also in Saving Private Ryan, but anyways, he was had a lot of yeah. small roles. But I was just like, dude, cannot get it any rougher. <laughs> he didn't uh, catch a break in those times. Shit. Yeah. Other standout performances, though. What? Who do you think stood out the most for you? Um, I'd say call call it her her character name's call. Um, it's played by um, Winona. Winona Ryder. Yeah, Winona Ryder. I think that was pretty cool. I really liked. I like the plot to uh, plot twist with her. I was definitely not expecting it. Um, I really enjoyed her character. I thought it was kind of like the smart kind of person that you needed to have with within that group. Cause like, I yeah. felt like she was the only one that knew what was happening clearly. And she knew like, I felt like she was the smartest out of all of them other than the guy in the wheelchair. But yeah, I definitely enjoyed her character very well. I think her, the bond that her and Ripley have was pretty mm-hmm. cool. It was pretty it was one of the, I guess, one of the better ones in this. Yeah, and I mean, we get that one scene where they're basically in kind of like the chapel area talking, and we yeah. have the realization, and then they kind of have a nice little heart to heart. And I found out that that was actually in the special edition, oh. but was not in the theatrical version. And I was mm-hmm. like, how do you cut that out of the theatrical version? Yeah. It's such a, again, it's one of two poignant scenes in the whole movie that kind of reduces these two people that are not human anymore. Yeah. to having some sort of common humanity grounds basically. Yeah. Um and yeah, so just to find out that that wasn't in the theatrical, I was just like Yeah, that kind of I would this is one of the only reasons you can get invested in either of them. Right. Yeah, I feel like that was a pretty pretty good uh bonding moment. I feel like that you need to have to they should have had that in the theatrical version because that's like 
that's where you really get to see them bonding together and really get to know each other. I think it's pretty important because I feel like there's not a lot of that in this movie. Like they just know Ripley's a clone. She's an alien mother, I guess. And she has special powers because she can dunk apparently. Yeah. <laughs> one scene. I was, just, I was yeah. like, what? I was like, Ripley throwing it down and then dunk. Yeah. I was like, but other than that, like there's no real like bonding. There's no connection between the characters. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think last but not least, a character that stood out to me every single time, but was creepy and weird as fuck was Brad Dorif again, who plays mm. that scientist yeah. where he's like, making out with the glass between him and the xenomorph. (laughs) And then at the end of the film, when we get to the alien nest and we see the hybrid, he's like all wrapped up in a cocoon. He's like, you're a beautiful butterfly and all this weird shit. And it's just like kind of fuels the, uh, the uncomfortable vibe of that entire movie of the entire movie. Right. Um, But I, I mean, we got to get into it now. The mm. the hybrid alien. How are we feeling on that? Oh, I did not like it. I was not a fan. Okay. Thank God we're on the same page. That was weird. Very weird. I'm not a fan of that design Mm -hmm. at all. Which, again, the movie itself, there's such a quality of practical effects that are applied to it and technique and whatnot that really gives us the best looking xenomorphs. We even get a queen in there. Yeah. Like the best that the queen ever looked. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, comes time to design a new alien, a hybrid, and we get this tall, white, humanoid looking thing. And I get that it's a hybrid with a human, but. Yeah, it just—it looked like a a white skeleton, basically. I was—I didn't like the the fact that it had like facial expressions. It was kind of weird. You kind of yeah. lose that alien like because I feel like we're used to seeing alien always pissed off and angry mm-hmm. and like, and then you have all these weird facial expressions when it doesn't like it sees its mom and like Ripley and yeah. stuff. It's just like kind of weird. Also, their relationship where they like hug each other and they're like rubbing yeah, each other. I I am not a fan of that relationship yeah. at all. That is very That's much a, creepy, a red flag. Yeah. I'm calling <laughs> Child Protective Services after that. Like, there's an issue going on yeah. there that I'm not a fan of. Uh, yeah, no, the design of it, I'm not crazy about. I don't like that. Like, again, I understand it's a hybrid, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it, it I think it should have been presented more as like an abomination almost in the sense that like, no. sure, it might have somewhat human qualities, but it's still more alien than human. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that I think would almost be more terrifying than right. something that resembles more of a human than more of an alien. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I mean, if anything, it dumbs down the xenomorph aliens in that it loses its one unique feature where those re- the retractable mouth, Yeah, it loses the tail. Mm-hmm. So by making it more human, you make it more dull and yeah. it gets to the point where the only ways that it kills people are it, slaps yeah <laughs> it's kind of hilarious how it's a strong effort, slap. <laughs> yeah effortlessly it slaps off the queen's head yeah after it gives birth and it's just like okay that's a bit much right but then also like it chews on the top of brad dorf's head and then it squishes uh the last marine's head and yeah. it's just like these are very conventional ways of killing people mm-hmm. that i feel like they the amount of creativity and talent that's there they should have been able to come up with something yeah. more unique like if you're going to be allowed to play within this universe that has very limited rules and a lot of creativity, then do something creative. Don't do something that we've seen countless times. Yeah, I feel like had they stuck with the same model of alien, like the alien shape, had they yeah. had him given more of a human like thinking process, I think that would have been pretty creepy. Like just think, be yeah. like, it's smarter than all the other aliens. I think that would have, that would have kind of like, it would not have been as bad. I feel like the fact that they changed the way it looks it lost mm-hmm. that sense of alien, like to me. 
Yes. They should have given them the, the smart process, the process of a human being where it knows it could smell and it could sense it has, it basically evolves into a human version in the sense of their senses of where things are and kind of thing, the way it thinks. Yeah. Cause I know from the extended universe stuff in the comics, there's a bunch of different types of xenomorphs and one of them is like white. And it was the color palette of that one that reminded me of the color palette in this one where it's white. And I was like, like you said, had this been, it looked more familiar to a xenomorph, yeah. but have a different color palette and then display some type of superior human intellect, mm-hmm. I think would have definitely been more interesting. And they could have even had the comedic moment in there where if the xenomorph is able to think like a person, yeah. it can anticipate what her uh, moves are going to be. Right. Basically. And it could have had a moment where it like outsmarts her. That could have been kind of funny or something right. like that. But to get like this gross human looking thing like that is just super face, strong yeah. yeah and it's just like it it just didn't do anything mm-hmm. for me yeah uh, in a way that was actually pretty disappointing because up until that point i thought a majority of like the humor and the narrative kind of stuff withstanding like from an action sci-fi standpoint very like, enjoyable this is a lot of yeah. fun yeah i enjoy I think it. yeah yeah in a lot of different ways um but i guess so after they kill the hybrid alien What'd you think of the ending? Because this is the first time that we see Earth in the entire series. I thought it was cool. I thought I, I feel like that ending was definitely for some reason. I was like that the ending is definitely not on the original version. Just it didn't seem, I don't know to me. But I really enjoyed it. I think it was cool to see because throughout this whole series, we we're always in space in a different planet. It's the first time we go back into Earth and we see what actually happened to Earth. I was thinking, oh, they they see the sunset or the sunset or sunrise, whatever one. Um, and then it's like, I was thinking, oh, everything's fine in, in, in earth. But then when they, when they actually showed that earth is literally melted down, everything's apocalyptic. Yeah. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. We get to see, we actually get to see what earth looked like this whole time. I enjoy, yeah. I like the ending. It was pretty cool. Yeah, me too. I think the, I, if I'm not mistaken, the theatrical version ends with them just in the clouds and there's the sunset mm-hmm. basically, or the sunrise and they don't even touch the planet. Whereas in the special edition, this was the intended original ending. They just didn't have the budget for it. Yeah. Um, and in getting to see a post-apocalyptic Paris, mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting because it kind of gives a justification for the space race, basically. Yeah. Why, um, why people are trying to leave the planet, right. essentially. And we see like, oh, the planet's, Earth's even more fucked up than it is right now. Yeah. So it's just like, is that a potential future that we could see where if like we don't start taking better care of our planet, mm. this is the result and we're going to end up in space and then unleash a whole new can of worms up in space but yeah. uh, as somebody that's obviously a fan of all these movies and we never see earth again in mm-hmm. the series i thought for this uh the four pack of movies like it's a pretty good ending yeah even though obviously we learn it is not the definitive ending because as we'll get into uh there's still two more installments for us to watch mm-hmm. but so i mean in wrapping up resurrection we wouldn't see a xenomorph on screen for about seven more years in the movie. I mean, you would see uh, it was in Predator. Right. But I mean, or Predator 2 rather, there's that moment where we have a skull, but that came yeah. out before this. So, right. I mean, seven years later, we finally get to see another Xenomorph. Uh, but other than that, I mean, this series was stagnant for so long. So I was glad to see like, even though you and I actually reviewed AVP on another podcast. And even though we weren't as fond of it as we remembered it being for a lot of things, like getting to see the Xenomorphs on screen again was great. And Mm -hmm. uh, it kind of has me excited to jump into Prometheus and Alien Covenant. But uh, before we kind of 
lay out our plans for the next phase of our uh, Alien series review, I thought I'd share some last minute facts and just get your reaction to them. All right, let's do it. So, so originally, Danny Boyle, the director behind 28 Days Later, and David Cronenberg, who directed the Fly remake, uh, both turned down the opportunity to direct this movie. Oh. Which, I mean, I think it would have been crazy to see Cronenberg. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with his movies, but David Cronenberg does a lot of like body horror movies, which oh. are all about like people's bodies being destroyed. Oh, that would have definitely so, taken it to a horror Definitely yeah, that, I think there would have been more of an action, uh, sorry, a horror emphasis if yeah. he had been directing. And I think that if he had been directing, we would have gotten a much better hybrid alien mm. in terms I, of just like adhering to his style of just fucked up yeah. things that he can come up with because so, he makes weird movies. I feel like we would have probably seen more gruesome, definitely more gruesome kills. And uh, sure. I think it would have been nice actually. I mean, had we had more of going back to the original one where they were in space and it was more hard. I think it would have been a good wrap up for the first four movies, I guess. I think it would have been pretty cool to see that happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that basketball scene that you mentioned mm. where Ripley shoots a three pointer behind her yeah. back without looking, uh, that scene took two weeks of training. And after con- like numerous failed attempts, one day she showed up to set and they shot and she got it on the first take. Oh shit. Uh, yeah. Which is insane. And Ron Perlman actually apparently almost fucked up the scene because when, as soon as it went in, he like looked right in the camera and was just like, Oh my God. <laughs> like, cause he couldn't believe that yeah. she had nailed it finally. And they had to edit around that in a way that, but initially they were like, Oh, we have to do it again. Like it's completely ruined. Oh damn. Yeah. That would, that seemed like it was one of those scenes. I was like, I don't know if it was, I was trying to figure out whether it's CGI or not. I was like, cause it's kind of hard to like, no look well, yeah over your shoulder that was that was what they suggested because yeah. jean-pierre was like basically we're going to do some crafty editing to make it look like you made it yeah and sigourney weaver was basically like nobody's going to believe that yeah nobody's going to believe that i made that and when they finally did get it jean-pierre was like yeah but nobody's going to believe that you did that yourself yeah and he was and sigourney weaver was like well i'm going to tell everybody that i did oh, and so when they were doing the press tour basically she would always make a point to mention that yeah. she did that herself 100%. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Damn. Uh, so in the scene that we see the queen alien, apparently all of the original molds and puppets that they used for the queen in previous films yeah. was destroyed. Oh, what? They were either destroyed or they were damaged, so they couldn't use them. So the prop for the queen that they used was actually from the collect- like the personal collection of somebody that was a fan with alien oh wow of alien and just had in their personal collection and they somehow got in contact and borrowed it the studio borrowed it that's awesome that's yeah i feel like that's always a kind of a neat little like unique touch to it like i've seen definitely in like for example like in just completely separate but like in star wars um Mm -hmm. mandalorian they used a lot of comic fans or like star wars fans they brought in as like part of the troopers in one of the oh, scenes yeah, so yeah. it's like it's kind of cool to have that connection with your fan like especially fans of like the series and like the movies they've been watching forever i think that's awesome that's a little i f- i forgot to check but i would not be surprised if that person that lent them the queen prop mm. had like a special thanks in the credits oh yeah that would. i would not be surprised if their name was in there but again i didn't check right. um, and i don't i couldn't find who they were or yeah. anything like that but that's just one of those things that i thought would be kind of cool that's awesome um, yeah yeah and then one of the things that the studio pushed for that I think they definitely should have won, but they did not, was that the studio wanted to cut the scene 
preceding Ripley's encounter with the alien queen where she's like writhing around in the xenomorphs. Yeah. She's like laying with them that and they're like engulfing her into the floor. Yeah. They wanted to cut that because they thought it was too sexual. And apparently Sigourney Weaver threatened to not promote the movie if it was cut. Yeah. And that scene makes me super uncomfortable. Yeah, so I'm not thrilled that that's in that. Yeah. I feel like that's, oh, that's one of those weird <laughs> scenes. Uh, it's like, yeah. uh, a lot, a lot like when like she like rubs on the xenomorphs and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. like I was like, you don't need, like I'm okay. Like I know that they were born off of her, and that's all we need right. to know. Like we don't need to. Yeah, that was a very uncomfortable scene. First of all, I thought yeah. she was naked for a moment. I was like, why <laughs> is she naked? And right. why is she getting sucked into the floor? It was very bizarre. Yeah, that's uh, a scene I could have lived without because that haunts me more ways than one. Yeah, uh, and then finally, like Sigourney Weaver was very well. She was on the record essentially as like. We're gonna re- we're gonna resurrect. Like, why are we gonna make another one of these movies? I thought I was dead, uh, and was against being in another one of these. Mm. Uh, and the only thing that changed her mind was she said that the studio basically drove a dump truck filled with money to her house. Oh, <laughs> and persuaded like threw enough money at her that she was like, uh, "Yeah, I think I'll give you guys five or six months to make this movie or whatever." Yeah, uh, but she was paid eleven million dollars, which was the budget of the very first Alien movie. Oh wow! So really? It came full circle for her. Yeah, that's a win-win for her. Shit. Yeah, and I mean, if anything, this is like the weirdest performance that she gave in the series yeah. so far. And there isn't, there isn't a. I mean, you, I don't, I don't really know how to say it. Like, there's, it's not that there isn't a whole lot of acting there, but I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't have the emotional peaks mm. that the other films do. So yeah. the idea that this was her most profitable role but then she doesn't have as much kind of like emotional turmoil in the film as the other ones like it's pretty crazy but again she does uh, i think she did a lot of the stunts and we've got those two really good heart to heart Mm -hmm. scenes so it was well worth uh, she definitely earned her her check on that yeah but uh yeah i mean in wrapping out alien resurrection i'm real. i'm more than excited to check out prometheus again for what the tenth time? <laughs> yeah. Like you and I have an issue yeah. with uh, your significant other even makes funny of we makes fun of us movie. for the amount of times so that we've good. watched this movie. But uh, yeah, next up we're going to be reviewing Prometheus, which is the origin story essentially for the Alien franchise, and then we'll follow that up with Alien Covenant, hmm. and then I think we'll see how far we get into it. But uh, after Alien Covenant, obviously there are no more Alien films right now. Uh, we might have a special surprise of a type of Alien extended universe media that mm. we will uh we'll review but we'll keep that a secret for now yeah but uh overall alien resurrection fan or not a fan i was a fan i enjoyed it it had it yeah. had its weird moments also we forgot to bring up the fact that um call was an android oh yeah <laughs> that was that was <laughs> that was the plot that was twist. the plot twist which i was not expecting i just i just thought of that i was like we didn't even talk about it yeah i thought that was kind of cool i i the fact that they brought back Again, it ties back to the original one where there's an android and this group of people and they're not aware that it was an android. It was kind of mm-hmm. awesome. We only find yeah. out because she gets shot and she falls and everybody else is like, oh, she dies. I was like, she seems like a pretty big, important character. She's, a, she's one of the important characters. And I was like, why would they kill her off already? But then we find out he's an android. I was like, oh, that was kind of yeah, that, a, that a is a good scene. And yeah. That's a great uh, twist that adds like another complex layer to her character because- yeah. There's always something about her character that you're not really sure about initially. So then to have that kind of extra added layer, yeah. uh, you're right. I think that's a great um, a great plot twist and it, just another layer of complexity to a character that on the surface seems very reserved, but at the same time just 
not all that remarkable. Like yeah. she's the most tonally muted character compared to all the other aggro people that mm-hmm. kind of like leave their mark on every scene in a way that is very overbearing. Yeah. But then you find out in the end that she is the one that is the most knowledgeable about everything. Right. Yeah. She's like, overall, I feel like it's part of the group. She seems like the least, um, the one that makes the least noise to say, like she doesn't get like, she does get in trouble because she breaks into like the, one of the restricted areas, but she doesn't like seem like a big mouth or like she doesn't talk shit to anybody or she doesn't have that attitude to her, mm-hmm. which is kind of nice to kind of see, at least you have someone to kind of balance out all that. But yeah, it was kind of cool. I really enjoy that little twist. And overall I thought the movie was really good. Other than the weird scenes, like I said, I, th- I enjoyed yeah. it very well. Yeah. I think as a, as a hybrid, much like the hybrid aliens, mm-hmm. like this movie is a great hybrid of all of them. Yeah. Or it's an enjoyable hybrid. I don't know about great, but I think that it does a good job of kind of blending sci-fi. There's a couple of sprinklings of horror in there and there's an added emphasis on action and humor where I think the action for the most part with the type of movie it is, yeah. is pretty entertaining and it switches things up. It's not kind of one note. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the humor and the script, I think are the biggest shortcomings though still because I think Jean-Pierre, like, I couldn't have asked him to do a better job of creating an atmosphere that feels in line with Alien and the universe as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in that regard, like, this was his first, I think this was his first English language film because he's French. Oh, wow. Um, so for this to be his first kind of uh, U.S. audio or English-speaking film, like, yeah. I couldn't think of a better a better debut for that. Yeah, he but, did a great job of that. I mean, I feel like it would be a very, very hard to work with other people to speak other language other than yours. So it's like, yeah. So that was one of the things they yeah. said that some of the actors were hesitant because they were going to work with the director that they could communicate only through translator. Uh, inter- yeah, yeah. Translators. Yeah. Like that was one of the things that Sigourney Weaver said when she was before signing on was that she didn't know she'd never had that working relationship. Mm. And so it's like, you have to have a personal relationship with your director. Right. And it's like, does a language barrier interfere yeah. with that too much? And, I would say for the most part, like, no. No, yeah. I think, it, yeah. I mean, I would have, I would have preferred this guy to have, to, for Jean-Pierre to have written it maybe himself or yeah. to had a different director, but, yeah, that, or, I feel sorry, like a different writer. That, that was like kind of their weakness, their script and the lines and stuff. I feel like they could have, they could have worked better on that. But overall, I think it was really great. It definitely, had it been a little more horror, it would have brought me right back to the first one. Cause like just the, the set, the scene where it takes place and everything, it kind of has that vibe of the original alien and yeah, overall. Yep. Yeah, I thought it was really good. It was definitely better than I remembered, but yeah. uh, I'm, I'm super excited to uh, chat about Prometheus. With I you can't next wait. Time. Yeah. That was going to be, that's going to be a good one. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. Well, we promise we'll keep that one under two hours. Yeah. <laughs> we'll try. Got a lot to say. Yeah. But uh, thanks again, man. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service and follow at Daily Horror Habit on Instagram and at Daily Horror Pod on Twitter.